0: This week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer is sponsored by Westworld FM, the latest podcast from the Midwest Podcast Network. Westworld FM seeks to dissect the latest episode of HBO's Westworld TV series every week. Join Alex and Nick as they take a deep dive into the latest TV show from producers Jonathan Nolan and J.J. Abrams. New episodes of the podcast are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more the day after the TV show airs. Check out the show at westworld.fm or search for Westworld FM on your favorite podcasting service. And thank you to Westworld FM and the Midwest Podcast Network for sponsoring this week's episode. This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter.
1: This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter.
0: And this is a bonus episode of obsessiveviewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre trope, movie or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com and you can like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer and I implore you guys to join the Facebook group because that's where we post a lot of good um, discussions and, and things like that um, in the lead up to the episodes for each week.
1: I think that's one of the best episodes, or best um, <laughs> ideas you've ever had. The, <laughs> the uh, fuck, <laughs> I am... Um
0: no no, no 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 that's fine like it's just <laughs> i'm laughing because because like like i mean uh, thank you yeah that's one of the <laughs> best ideas i've ever had i also stole it from another podcast oh okay yeah
1: it's one of the best ideas they've ever had right totally. um no because i like it because you know fan interaction is
0: <laughs> yeah totally huge
1: and so i like that
0: it gives us a, it gives us a way to you know let the uh the people like like touch us it's like this is the equivalent of us like walking past people who are grabbing at our i don't know we're is, like god we are we and are they're
1: like our followers
0: exactly this is the church of obsessive viewer yeah the facebook group is their their confession confessional i don't know amen yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> um Okay, so this week on the podcast, this is actually a bonus episode. We're not having a regular episode this week. Um, this is a bonus episode devoted to season one of HBO's Westworld, uh, the latest uh, original series from HBO from Jonathan Nolan, Lisa Joy, and JJ Abrams. And um, before before we actually get into the episode, we're gonna be we're gonna be spoiling Westworld for everyone that that. Uh, Wants to know that piece of information we're going to be spoiling the the season and kind of dissecting it and talking out our feelings about the season so if you haven't seen westworld i i suggest going and checking it out on hbo go hbo now or if you're listening to this in the future on blu-ray or what have you Um, but we'll, we'll let you know when we start spoiling it but we'll do like a brief spoiler free thing um but tiny, even though this is a bonus episode, I kind of want to do a little, a little quick uh, news segment because there was a piece of news that dropped. Okay, that's somewhat related to Westworld in a way, sort of. Um, HBO is developing a space drama from JJ Abrams' Bad Robot and writer Javier Goulian. Um Did you hear about this? I have not heard about this. Okay, cool. So, um, real quick, the the space drama is titled Glare, and it's in it's in development at uh, hbo and uh it's a sci-fi it's a sci-fi odyssey exploring the colonization of another planet hmm. and uh yeah so uh that's kind of all the details that i have here in front of me um and yeah i'm i'm pretty excited about it just the idea of hbo having a space drama and the fact that they're <laughs> a new space drama on tv i'm all for it so wow well how do you feel about this tiny man they're so ballsy at hbo
1: <laughs> it's crazy because they have you know game of thrones big fantasy a lot of huge mm-hmm. budget lots of stuff uh west same thing mm-hmm. and now a space one like it's all cg gonna be a bunch of cgi like oh yeah that's just impressive to me that they're throwing you know it's just the scope of their projects really impress me so that's i mean that's great to hear i is, agree is the one the writer Javier? is he like famous for anything he
0: is. I'm so glad you asked. I just put me you that. on the spot, didn't I? You did, and I closed out the the Damn. thing. I know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so while you're looking at that, up, Javier
1: yeah. uh, translates uh, from k- Spanish. I have I have no idea what Javier <laughs> means. I
0: don't know. I, I don't know either. Um, he has multiple. I'm reading from an article article from Deadline. He has multiple. He has multiple produced features overseas overseas that is a weird sentence uh drew hollywood attention recently with his dramatic thriller spec script 478 which was made with arnold schwarzenegger and set to uh set for release next year interesting yeah and he recently adapted the novel the dark side a sci-fi noir set on the moon that (laughs) wow that that little that little sentence right there a sci-fi noir set on the moon that that sells me yeah um (laughs) And it's uh, it's it's still in development, but that sounds awesome. Um, this is his first foray into TV, and he also wrote the Denny Villeneuve directed movie Enemy. Did you ever see Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal? Okay. No, never saw that one. I haven't seen it either, even though I'm a Villeneuve fan, um, and I respect his work and everything. Yeah. I've just I have this weird thing. I heard that something about the movie deals with spiders and it's like i'm too hesitant to see it yeah
1: i get that
0: yeah i just i just can't i'll see it eventually though sure yeah um so yeah so i thought that that was cool that was kind of something that's somewhat related to this since uh westworld is a bad robot uh jj abrams produced uh thing and it's in the same wheelhouse of obviously science fiction on hbo Uh so we'll see how glare goes okay so we are going to talk about westworld today i promise (laughs) 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 and uh before we do that tiny did you um did you ever did you ever see the original have i asked you that before the original 1973 film
1: i have not you asked me because i think you brought it up for potpourri i did on a past episode
0: yeah Um. i i did and i i can't remember how i phrased it or what i said uh when i brought it up on potpourri but just to reiterate it's it seemed like a a testing ground for Crichton to test out his, uh, Jurassic park idea. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's, it's about robots, a robot theme park, um, that, you know, is, uh, <laughs> overruled by the robots, um, yeah. disaster out of theme park. And the concept is great in it. And, uh, the execution wasn't that great, um, at all. Um, so I was really excited for Westworld, the TV show because, it's a brilliant concept, and it's something that uh, I think I thought could have flourished in a in a long form narrative structure, such as HBO, especially mm-hmm. on HBO premium cable. Uh, what was your expectations going into Westworld?
1: Uh, my expectations were really high, just given all of the glamour involved mm-hmm. with the all the factors, you know, all the variables. There's a ridiculously good cast, super great production, writers. And it it's on HBO, so it's like it's got all these great things working for us. I was like, this this had better be really good, because Mm -hmm. just because of all those things. So I I had really high
0: expectations for it. Nice. So yeah, so the TV show Westworld promised to be, you know, a a good (laughs) adaptation of of that. So tiny. This ran for ten episodes. How did you did you consume it week to week? I did, yeah. Okay, and how did you feel about the show overall? Kind of in broad terms, and then we'll go into a more nuanced, spoiler discussion.
1: You know, it actually wasn't as great or amazing as I had hoped it was going to be. It didn't quite meet my expectations.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: um, I think think the context of it is both good and bad, because you mentioned how... You know, the movie wasn't, didn't quite deliver on the subject matter, wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it needed long form, uh, storytelling. I feel like maybe it would have been, this would have been perfect for a miniseries. Like, tell the whole thing in ten episodes. I feel like it's sort of, they drew a lot of things out. Um, some of the mysteries were revealed very slowly. And, um, I don't know. I, I just feel like it could have been a t- a much tighter, uh, series. Um, as opposed to drawing, it, much, it could have been a much tighter mini series as opposed to drawing out a whole series over seasons. Um, but that's just me, you know. And, and it remains to be seen what direction they're going to take in future seasons. Uh, it could totally turn around and be be a completely different animal. Um, mm-hmm. I think this first season involved a lot of setup uh, for for things, so um, I, I still liked the show a lot. And I think it's a good show. Um, there's a lot of things that you can point to that are very high quality and really well done. Um, but again, it it didn't uh, it didn't blow me away like I wanted it to.
0: I you know I don't know why, but I'm kind of surprised to hear that. Really? Um, yeah, I'm very curious how this uh, the rest of this is going to plan out. Okay, pan out. Um, it's interesting that. Uh, Real quick, we were supposed to have uh, frequent guest Feckus on the show today, but he ended up having to work, uh, having to work uh, cover a shift, so he couldn't make it. Um, and I kind of, I really wish he could have made it because this would have been, yeah, really interesting. Because I know that he was a, he was a big fan of the show. But um, as for me, my overall thoughts are, I, I really liked, I really liked a lot of elements of the show. I, mm-hmm. I really did. There was some. There were some, some things about it that I was really hooked into and really interested in. Um, however, I will say that I find that there were several parts – there were several things about it that I found problematic um, from a storytelling level and um, from a general plotting element as well. Okay. Which we'll talk about in more detail, I'm sure. But there were some elements that I I thought were just problematic from even kind of from the start. Um, and it's worth noting that this, this show did take an extended hiatus, um, in in terms of production. Like they took a, I think it was like close to a year break in production partway through filming, um, so that they could hammer out the details of, of an extended series, multiple season arcs and everything. Wow. So I think that that may be part of why I, part of what I had issue, had taken issue with. Some of the things I uh, took issue with throughout the season could be explained by that thing. But I also had some other qualms with it, but it wasn't anything that necessarily broke the show for me, not completely. But I came away from it at the end of the season being very intrigued by <laughs> what what the show could become, but ultimately a little bit let down by what the show was at this point and also and well i I think that I think it's best to keep this aside uh keep one part of my like my qualms with it completely pushed aside until the end, but I found myself kind of um, not irritated or annoyed, but kind of. It made me made me come to a realization about the way that I consume television <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of the audience audience reaction to it or the general internet buzz machine um, about it that kind of I kind of had some some things during the season that I felt i wish this show made me wish that I watched it in a vacuum um, okay it made me kind of yearn for the Netflix model where they throw everything on online. And this is a fault on me as a viewer, but I, I kept my, I clued into some of the conversation surrounding the, surrounding the show. And I think that that impacted my enjoyment of the show in a negative way, Um, which I'll talk more about that later. It has nothing to do with the actual product of the show, but, um, but that is a, that is a, a thing that I'm, I'm going to have to adjust Adjust my viewing habits, um, and that's it's. We'll talk about that later after after the actual review of the show because I don't want to get, I don't want to mix in commentary or or um, commentary on the social aspect of it in terms of viewership with actual criticisms about the actual product. So we'll save that for later. Okay. But overall, I thought that this was a this was a really. This was a solid first season for a show that I think could grow into a really incredible experience going forward. But um, that it's not without its problems, and there were some pretty big problems, that uh, I thought, um, there were. So we, at this point, will dive into spoilers. Um, but before we do that, I actually posed a question on the Facebook group. I was super late doing it this week. Um, yeah. yeah. You were. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was. <laughs> um, so I didn't. We didn't get that many responses. We just got a couple, but I just want to read them here on the Facebook group, which of course you can find at face, uh, Facebook dot slash the obsessive viewer. There's a link to the group pinned to the top of that Facebook page. Um, if you're listening to this and you like what we do, go join the group because you'll get. Um, we can we can include your thoughts in our episodes and everything. Um, so I asked people. Um, uh, if they what they thought of the show and what they thought of the idea, the phenomenon of internet theorizing, which is what we'll talk about later in this episode. Okay. Um, so Chad from uh, the Secular Pers- Secular Perspective podcast, and uh, uh, Chad and Amanda talk shit about said, I have literally seen every episode twice. I love the way the, f- the finale played out and ended. Even though a new season is coming, the season ended in such a way that it could be canceled tomorrow and I would still be happy with how the series ended. Look forward to getting it on Blu-ray and for the extras. And then Brandon Cruz, fellow podcaster over at uh, Apathetic Enthusiasm and fellow Twilight Zone podcaster at Submitted for Your Approval, a Twilight Zone podcast. Uh, both podcasts that I highly recommend. And I've been a guest on Submitted for Your Approval. And... Um, He's actually going to be a guest on uh, my solo project podcast anthology here in a few weeks. So anyway, um, Brandon wrote, these violent delights have violent ends. Um, the trend of internet theorizing has existed for a long time, lost anyone. Um, (laughs) and he said, I think it's awesome and a great way to throw back to the water, a great way to throw back to the water cooler discussions of television just happens to be the internet. So, um, yeah so okay let's see where was i um we're gonna go ahead and dive into the spoiler discussion now so if you don't want to be spoiled on uh westworld uh tune out if you don't care or you want to um or if you've seen it continue listening <laughs> we'll put a little break here for people to tune out if they uh, need the time to grab their phone or whatever
2: do you know where you are i'm in a dream you're in my dream i designed every part of this place not a theme park, but an entire world.
0: You and everyone you know were built to gratify the desires of the people who pay
2: to visit your world. Just don't forget, they're not real.
0: So one of the big things about this season of the show, this first season of the show, is that there are multiple timelines going on right. throughout it, and... The first thing I want to ask really tiny is how did you feel about that in the reveal of it kind of at the end? Did you how did you feel about the plotting of the season uh, as a whole? You
1: know, I I liked I liked the reveal in the finale uh, that they that they showed the multiple timelines. I didn't see that coming. I, Interesting. I, I, I didn't I didn't see that coming at all. I really didn't. Um and I think I, I enjoyed that quite. a I enjoyed that a lot. Like I, I wasn't like, oh my god, really? <laughs> it didn't blow my mind, but I was like, wow, that was clever. I did not see that coming, um, and I I appreciated the characterization of it, the way mm-hmm. the parallels. I thought they were really well done. Um, so I, I liked that. Um, but I I just think some of the, I think just the concept of a. I guess the grand the grand conflict of this first season was a mental conflict if you will. Um which conflict? <laughs> well, I mean no, the, the the maze. Yeah, yeah. Was a mental thing and it's just mm-hmm. like that's so hard to do. It's it's so hard to represent a mental struggle, I guess, mm-hmm. or coming to an epiphany can be hard to uh, hard to depict visually, mm-hmm. I guess. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. And I, I feel like they failed in that respect. Um, the, the realization that Dolores came to, mm-hmm. which is kind of the, the linchpin of the first season. Yeah. Um, the maze. And, and I just, I felt like, I felt it was built up ridiculous, a ridiculous amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoyed some of the buildup, but I feel like they just didn't reveal enough pieces of it. To us throughout the season to keep us really interested. I think I, I was a little frustrated as a viewer that I couldn't piece anything. There were no pieces to put together in a puzzle. It was like they just showed you the whole puzzle at the end. Um, and I. May, maybe that's a mischaracterization, but I just. That's kind of how I felt. I, I felt like it wasn't it wasn't revealed in pieces and they didn't let the viewer participate in that respect. So that I struggled with that in regards to the maze and, and Dolores. Um, but I, I really, I really enjoyed Jimmy Simpson and Ed Harris, that storyline, his character. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit.
0: Really? This is really interesting because I'm, I, I would take it to, to mean that you weren't, actively participating in any discussion of the show or any internet theorizing or anything? I what no. Okay. And I, I did kind
1: of watch it in a vacuum to use your term.
0: That is great.
1: I I made, I made no mm-hmm. no attempt to do any of that.
0: Okay. And that and that's fantastic. Yeah. Good on you. Thank um, you. Yeah. Um because When episode two aired, everyone on the internet was saying, oh, Jimmy Simpson is the old man in black. Really? Or the young man in black, yeah. Oh, wow. And the reason is because in the second episode when he arrives at Westworld... And he's being greeted by the robot that's, that's telling him the host that's telling him, uh, introducing him to the, to the park and, and having him pick out all of his attire and everything. Um, in the background, the logo is the old logo. And it's not only that, but HBO actually seems like they got a little cocky and they actually like tweeted out or something saying like in Westworld, even logos deserve a second look. (laughs) So like the internet hive mind is like, Oh, let's look at the logos. Oh, this is an old logo this isn't the like regular logo that we're used to seeing or that's, that's in the branding for the TV show and the marketing and stuff. Mm -hmm. So clearly this, this entire timeline is this entire story arc is taking place 30 years in the past. Um, Mm. And so, and that's, I don't mind the, and we won't talk more about the internet, the internet or anything, but I, I wish I would have watched it in a vacuum. But also I feel like I, if I had watched it in a vacuum, um, and this isn't meant to be a dig at you at all or anything, okay. but I feel like me personally, if I had watched it in a vacuum, I think I would have picked up on it. Um, at least by episode eight or nine, um, okay. because they were laying it on pretty thick and granted I, I was watching it with that in, in my head. So I was like not looking for clues, but I was pointing out in my head like clues that to, to support that thesis, that, that theory. Um, um, and also, it was pretty apparent throughout it that Jimmy Simpson's whole story arc—I mean, that was in a vacuum itself. That was that was self-contained. That right. was completely away from everything else that was going on. And I think that that's one of the problems that I had with the show overall is that it was juggling a lot. Um, yeah. And like we had, we had the whole um, Bernard and Teresa thing, um, the whole board thing um Anthony Hopkins as Ford doing his own own thing separate from everyone else. We had three different timelines of yeah. things going on from the present day to the past with Jimmy Simpson and the whole thing with Dolores um talking to Arnold. And we had another board person. We had security a security guy that was one of the one of the hemsworths um that was kind of thrown away at the end yeah um we had just a lot of stuff going on and one of my big big faults with the show is that it's great to have those things it's great to have those different things and and juggle them if you can juggle them well and at times the show juggled them pretty well but my big issue and this could be nitpicking but i feel like they didn't do they didn't do justice to the setting in the way or in the world building in a way that was satisfactory to me because this concept is, it's a very high concept thing. It's very much suspension of disbelief is needed as soon as you get off the train to Westworld. Um, Like, you need to suspend your disbelief. But they, I feel like they they didn't set up enough rules for the park itself to really make it that engaging to me like there's there's something to be said about having people in a park who can shoot these human-like creatures but i don't know it, it seemed like the show didn't spend enough time setting up like well how is it possible that they can do these things to to the host but what fail safes are in are in place to keep the keep the guests free or or keep the guests safe and everything like how does it operate like this and i mean yeah there are some like little explanations here and there you can't fire the gun at at a human guest i guess um or they you can but it doesn't it doesn't hit them like if you have certain pain i i think that this is explained in the show but you can set the guests can set their pain tolerance to a certain level so that like their injuries can be you know, increased and stuff Mm. and like all that stuff is okay. But also when you late in the show, when you're introducing things like arrows and, and samurai world, which how the hell, how could that possibly be? (laughs) How can that possibly exist when it's not gunfights and stuff? It's sword play.
1: Um,
0: so I think that the show while juggling a lot of different things really faltered in setting up the world, which I think that that is one of the biggest, issues that i had with it It was that i wanted to be really invested in this world that had been set up but i feel like i was asking a lot more questions about how it operates when this is when that's something that kind of should have been covered in the first couple episodes and they do cover a little bit here and there um but it didn't it wasn't to a satisfying extent for me um yeah yeah. i i I can second that as well i think
1: i think It's, it's weird to say, but I think it's too Westworld itself is too fantastical. Right. It's too, it's too much fantasy. Like Mm -hmm. you can literally do whatever you want. You can explore any of your, the most taboo things you could possibly want to do. I mean, you can, it goes way beyond just, you know, killing someone. You can torture someone forever. You can do the most gross taboo things you can think of. Mm -hmm. And, and you can do them with no consequences and no risk. Right. And that's just too much. Like it's, it's like an unsustainable, like it's an untenable thing. Sure. And I think that's, that's part of why those flaws stuck out so much and why it's yeah. such a flawed, a flawed premise to begin with. Right. You have to be ridiculously skilled storyteller, to pull that off.
0: Right. And that's, that's what I mean by saying that I could be nitpicking the whole thing. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't think you're nitpicking
1: yeah. though. I, th- I think they could have changed some of the rules, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, some of the the parameters of the story to yeah. make it a little more interesting or a little more risky, right. a little more intriguing. Um,
0: yeah. And it, and it gets to the point where it's more, I mean, it, it, it kind of embraces the fantastic science fiction element to it that, I mean, like when, when you have, Ford and later on Maeve being able to essentially control the hosts just by waving their hands. Like, I mean, granted there is like, that's not too, too much of a stretch. Cause I mean, we have, you know, uh, you can, set it up to sense you sense hand movements and stuff or sense commands like that. Right. Um, people at Harry Potter world can do that with wands that they buy, (laughs) but it's still, it's something that it's kind of seems more like they're embracing that rather than, you know, answering questions, which is fine. It's fine. Later on, we will compare this to lost in a way, at least I will. And Mm -hmm. I'm completely aware that I am the pot calling the, the kettle black because I'm telling I'm telling the audience of uh, I'm telling our listeners that I have a problem with the show for raising too many questions <laughs> when I was a huge fan of Lost. Right. Um but anyway, um to to your point about the maze plot line and how the whole structure it was all it was really difficult to show this emotional or mental journey that Dolores was going on. I agree with you that is a very very tricky thing to to handle and and to achieve Mm -hmm. um i think my kind of problem with that and i swear this is not going to be a dumping ground for all the problems i have for the show but i think the issue that arises with me is that we are led to believe that the maze itself is something that the man in black is in pursuit of which is he is in pursuit of it but I, I get the sense that, like, all of that was a complete misdirect. That was a MacGuffin for the man, man in black. It was really a journey for Dolores, which, that's fine. That's, that's totally fine. But I feel like the payoff of that, the, re- I guess, reveal that it was for Dolores to gain sentience, um, and the reveal of the, the purpose of the meaning behind the maze design and how it was about Arnold's kid and all that, that just, it, it just didn't land with me. It, it really, really didn't. Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of more confused than anything.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was too. Yeah. it's. I thought it was, I used the word untenable, it, and it was just kind of, I don't know, it was almost like just kind of strung together, mm-hmm. uh, which is an interesting um, analogy given the way the hosts are built. Right. Um, yeah. I... I yeah, I didn't, think it, I didn't think it was a great payoff either. Right. Yeah. But I, I feel like, again, I think I said this at the beginning, um, I, th- I think there's a, just a lot of setup with the first season, mm-hmm. and I feel like uh, after, after HBO has this thing where after episodes, they have the producers and actors and directors and whatnot mm-hmm. do a little talk and stuff like that. They do it with right. Game of Thrones and some other shows, and they do it with this, which is nice. And after the finale, Jonathan Nolan said the first season was all about control and the second season is going to be all about chaos. Mm -hmm. So I I have a feeling that maybe they're kind of saving a lot of their flair or a lot of their whatever, their energy for the second season. And the first season was a lot of setup. So I feel like that could very well be the case. And maybe five years from now when they conclude the series or whatever, we may have a completely different opinion where it's like, well, the first season was a little iffy, but two through five were awesome you know right I, I feel like that's a real possibility
0: i agree um and i hope that for the show for sure yeah um and i think that i can see that it being it, it being a lot of setup for for seasons to come like that's definitely right. that's definitely true i think that that is the case and everything um my bigger issue with that is that the setup was kind of shoddy in my opinion Okay. because let's go back to the dueling timelines thing. The, um, the conceit that the man in black is an older version of Jimmy Simpson's character, William from, um, his time at the park. We're seeing his throughout the season. We see his first time at the park and how it changes him from being a quote unquote white hat to a black hat, which that's kind of the, I guess not difficulty level, but the kind of like characters that they're playing quote unquote in the, in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is going there with his, with the brother of his fiance, Logan, who is a black hat, who just wants to just to, wants to fucking kill anyone that's there right. the whole time. And the storyline, if you isolate the storyline of Jimmy Simpson's character, his version of the man in black, the William character, like that arc is really satisfying to me in in a vacuum in itself um, because you get to see him adapt to this world or, or he's like working through what it is, the, what it is the theme park does. And he even says at one point that it reveals, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but he says that it reveals your true self, the park does. Mm-hmm. And I liked that a lot. I did, and I liked the reveal at the end that he was the, that he is, that we've been seeing a flashback to the man in black. My problem is that that is contingent on the cleverness of the storyline or the storytelling. They made a, made a guess that let's be clever and let's conceal this, this backstory and have people think that he is the, he is a separate character, and then let's reveal at the end that he has been the backstory for, um who could be the main protagonist or one of the protagonists of the show potentially i don't his you know his morality centers a little gray right but i think the big fault of it and the big problem that i had with that is that you can do that you can have a season long tv show where you are showing flashbacks to a character's past we referenced Lost. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the biggest things about Lost. Um, I believe Orange is the New Black does that as well. Has flashbacks to characters' backstories throughout it. I haven't seen Orange is the New Black, but
1: it, it does, and they use it pretty well. Sure. Okay. Yeah.
0: Great. Um, my problem with Westworld is that they made the point to conceal it throughout the entire season. And in doing that, you aren't it's not constructive to the storytelling of the of of the the characterization of of Ed Harris's character. Because even though the internet and everyone knew or like people who like browse Reddit and stuff knew that. I'm stupid, you can just say it. No, that's not the case. (laughs) (laughs) But because people figured it out early, you can retroactively say like, oh this is great backstory for the character. But watching it without that without having that be completely um clear to you from the outset it's just it's kind of just uh not retconning the season but it's throwing you tons of exposition in that moment where there's the reveal that he's the man in black so watching it and maybe tiny you can talk to talk about this because i've been talking a lot and i haven't been giving you a chance to respond i'm no, sorry That's okay um when, when the reveal happens that you, that you see that he is William, the man in black is William at that point, from my perspective being, if you're in the vacuum and you're watching it in a vacuum, um, you just get bombarded with the fact that the last nine episodes has all been backstory for the Ed Harris character. Did you feel overwhelmed by that? Did you experience that reaction? I should say,
1: I, I don't think I'd use the word, word overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, One of the things about the reveal that I liked is that um, Ed Harris, old man in black, uh, says that he's gone through a similar journey with Dolores before, mm-hmm. meaning she's gotten close to finding the maze or concluding the maze, if you will, several times throughout all the years he's been in the park. Um,
0: I think he was just referring to that one time, right? He's been there before with her. Oh, I guess. Is that what he said? Yeah.
1: So I guess I misinterpreted that. Oh. But I don't know. I, I just I I think you're right that to to lay it out that you're looking at two different storylines, I think probably would have been more satisfactory. I think they were going for the you know, the big reveal. Mm-hmm. They wanted the big twist moment, if you will, and it, it just didn't it apparently for a majority of the viewers it didn't work out that way um uh but even for the ones viewers like myself where it did work out like i said it didn't blow me away I, Mm -hmm. i wasn't absolutely stunned by it um and there were moments throughout lost where they used the format that you mentioned where it's you know the past is in real time influencing the real time um or present day um I was more blown away by some of those Mm -hmm. scenarios and lost, and so you know it's it's different. It's I guess their gamble just didn't really pay off, and and I I think they could have gone the other way and have you know reveal it. They could have they could have still had a pretty big reveal at the end of the first or second episode, Mm -hmm. and then from there just have have the past directly influencing the present, like they've done with other shows, and I think it would have been it could have been more satisfactory and, and it could have built the character better. I think.
0: Right. And I, and I think the problem, I think one of the other problems is that it's not only a, a surprise reveal that, um, that the man in black is, is William. I think it's also the surprise that Dolores has been on this journey this whole time, because it's because it's both showing the present day and in the past. In the past, she's going with William to uh, to the spot where she, where the maze is, where the church is. Um, but the whole time in in the present day, we're seeing her do this herself. It's it all becomes really convoluted and confusing. Yeah, and it's it was frustrating to me. I don't know what else to say about about that, but. Um, to to heap praise on the show though (laughs) to spin things into a positive yeah um for me personally and granted and this is interesting because you and i have not talked about the show at all um until this recording i haven't i really haven't yeah Yeah. it's it's pretty amazing um (laughs) like we haven't talked about it with each other right and how did you feel (laughs) about the reveal that bernard is a host um that one I sort
1: of saw coming. I was like, "Okay." I was like, "It's it's a given that one of these main <laughs> characters is a host. Like, it's mm-hmm. going to happen." I was like, "It's not. I highly doubt that it's Ford, but it could be." I was mm-hmm. like, "So it's probably the director lady or Bernard or Shannon Woodward. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to be one of those people." And so when when it was revealed, I liked the way they did it, where he said, it "Doesn't look like anything to me." I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh snap!" Yeah. Um, I, I I genuinely liked that quite mm-hmm. a bit, but I was again, I would just, I wasn't blown away
0: interesting really interesting yeah
1: um
0: i i wasn't i i wouldn't say that i was blown away but i was really satisfied with it um again and i swear i i i don't mean to do this but uh some of the problems i had (laughs) with (laughs) it. um no i had one little like nitpick to it when when he basically the scene unfolds where he is going with um he's showing teresa the board member person um the house that Ford has uh, kept his host family, essentially, his his young version of himself as a host and uh, his family um, been keeping them. So he's showing her that. And then the thing that I loved was the moment that kind of tipped my hat to it. It wasn't the this doesn't look like anything to me, even though that scene is like the solidified thing. It's the scene earlier when they're in the house and Teresa says, "What's behind this door?" and Ber- Bernard just says, "What door?" and I'm like, "That blew my mind." I was like, "Holy shit!" He doesn't wow. see the door because the hosts can't see things that would harm them, or th- they they only see certain things. Right. So I'm like, "He's a freaking host." That's amazing. <laughs> nice. Um. Yeah. But the problem that I had with that <laughs> is that. Probably, um, maybe three lines before that, Bernard says the line, "Hosts only see what they what they what they want or something like that, or they don't see." Like I wish that 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 idea was seeded deeper in an earlier episode. Yeah, and I think that that payoff would have been a lot better. True. Yeah, but the reveal that he's a host changed the game for the rest of the season and changed the show. In a good way for me, I thought that that was a really great way to kind of rejuvenate my interest in the show at that at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it revealed Ford's character more because he had Bernard murder Teresa, which I didn't care one way or another about yeah. that character. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she was just like it felt like they were just replacing her with um, Tessa Thompson's character anyway. Yeah. It just seemed like that it was kind of a useless character death. And I kind of wish that, again, this is, this is kind of going into the, um, talk about, uh, what, what I, what I think we're going to talk about later in this, uh, later in this recording. But, um, there was, there was like discussion about the fact that in that, in that, um, basement of that house, you see in the background that, that Ford is creating a, a host. Right. You see the like 3D printer and people were theorizing that oh he's making a he's making a Teresa ho- host I thought that to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been a cool that would have been a cool plot element. Yeah. But the, the, that didn't seem to pa- that didn't come to pass, which is fine, but I thought that it was kind of weird that that the explanation the next episode is oh Teresa fell and hit her head so she's dead. Um right. yeah, and that kind of I don't know, that, that was kind of empty to me, and we're jumping around a lot, so I apologize for the lack of consistency here, but that kind of brings me to another point of contention that I have with, the, with this season as a whole. Um, that reaction, it seemed to be a running theme. Did you pick up on this at all, Tiny? How death of actual character, like humans in the show didn't have any emotional impact for the other humans in the show? Did you pick up on that at all?
1: I did, and and I think part of it is because um, I feel like like almost every character in the show was just not very likable that much. Like they all they all seemed very unhappy, mm-hmm. which is really crazy. Again, given that we're talking about the most perfect fantasy world you can imagine, like it's it's crazy that you would think you have complete fantasy fulfillment here that mm-hmm. these people would be constantly smiling from ear to ear and be yeah. so fulfilled and happy. But literally no one in this whole show is happy. J- right. Young Jimmy... Jim, <laughs> Jimmy Simpson is for, like, a little bit. Yeah. You know, but it's it lasts, like, half an episode and then mm-hmm. things go to shit again and everybody's yeah. pissed off. And it's just, like... I think maybe that was part of it. But, but yeah, th- and, like, I thought it was weird. Like, uh, this lady died. Like, are there no fucking cops in the future? <laughs> right. What the hell is going on? Yeah. yeah. So it was... I, I definitely noticed that
0: yeah i think to your point the only happy person in this show is ed harris at the end and that's because he got shot yeah. in the arm
1: <laughs> which i loved that act. i loved that, I I loved that, that acting. So he great. was like oh he looked like he he, he opened a christmas present <laughs> <He> and got <laughs> really a puppy did. like that's what he looked like it was so funny like
0: that <laughs> that was it that might be one of my favorite moments of the entire season yeah um just that look of glee was just perfect right um but yeah and and to leapfrog off of that, the whole idea of, of death in the season of humans, death of humans not resonating with other humans, I feel like that was that maybe the show and maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I feel like the show is trying to make a statement about it. Like these these characters who are witnessing this death or seeing these deaths, they're so desensitized desensitized to it because of where they work and where 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 they are.
2: Mm-hmm
0: but also that didn't make any sense or didn't track throughout it. Cause they're still human beings. Yeah. Um, and it's not like we see the characters that are working for the park in the park all the time, but probably my biggest, biggest, biggest issue with the entire season was the Maeve plot line with oh, really? Thandie Newton, who apparently her name is pronounced Tandy. Tandy Newton. Newton. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that until yeah. I heard it on podcast. Dan Brits. Yep. Um, so Tandy Newton, her like her acting was out of this world. Yeah, she was phenomenal, and her character was one that I latched on to more than maybe most of the other characters, save for maybe Bernard, because um, Jeffrey Wright is awesome. Like the like yeah. the cast is incredible in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but the breakout sequence, the break everything. Everything from the moment that she manipulated Felix the technician guy mm-hmm. and Sylvester, I think it was his name yeah the other guy. those two characters I I've never been like those almost those characters almost ruined the show for me really <laughs> yeah because I did not put I didn't understand why they were so enamored with her. Like, there's, there's some seeds there for why. Like, he's trying to reanimate this, this dead bird, and he's trying to, you know, get a leg up in the company and everything, but he's also like, okay, well, we're going to reprogram this host so that she can manipulate human beings or manipulate other hosts and stuff and stage this uprising. And, like, the whole thing felt more plot-driven than anything. right um, And even when they break out and we see her, we see his just Dumbass expression on his face the entire time not saying a word not reacting in any way is also an extension of what i think could be a commentary on just how humans react to violence in this world and everything but also it doesn't work for me like because it did not track and then and i promise i'll let you talk in a second no it's okay um and then then that whole sequence ends with them in the elevator and in Tandy Newton looking, or Maeve, I'll talk, to, I'll say character names, turning to Felix and saying, Felix, you're a terrible human being. And I mean that as a compliment, I guess, mm-hmm. is what what she said, I think. And I'm like, that. You can say it like, yeah, yeah, he is, but that does not absolve the poor plotting of the episode or of the of the that storyline. Yeah, did how did you feel about that whole element of the season?
1: Yeah, the the two technician guys were the two worst characters in the whole fucking show. Yeah, um, yeah, they <laughs> they were so one note. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, like the Sylvester guy, it was like good cop bad cop. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I, I really the only time I appreciated their what those characters went through is when kind of the climax of that storyline was happening where, uh, the, I think the blonde character, Armistice, was that her name? Armistice. Yeah. Armistice. And, uh,
0: there was a great comment on, uh, it was like on a, on a periscope that a a podcaster did after. Anyway, I, I saw a great comment where at the end of the, at the end of the season, uh, did you see the after credits thing? hmm okay uh where she cuts her arm off to get away yeah uh someone commented and said i guess it's more like uh istis. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so dumb i love but that anyway yeah what about her the, the
1: moment where armistice and hector played mm-hmm. by rodrigo santoro mm-hmm. rodrigo santoro uh where they were kind of like Maeve's pawns and were like mm-hmm. her bodyguards almost and they were killing that one dude and like they were butt naked and just like yeah. that violence and they were threatening the Sylvester character mm-hmm. those are the that's the only time where I appreciated what those characters did <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know just the threat they felt I guess I, I don't mm-hmm. know I, I appreciated that that moment and and those moments in that episode but other than that like I I really just the motiv- like you said the motivation was just yeah. odd I, I didn't understand their their motivations for doing what they did and, right. and i i think i think the actors were fine uh the one mm-hmm. dude uh sylvester his name is ptolemy slocum um that's an interesting name <laughs> yeah he's a great actor and like i've, I've seen him mm-hmm. in other things and he's great and and mm-hmm. the, the other guy who played felix was, was good too mm-hmm. um i'm not i'm not trying to knock them down or anything sure the writing just wasn't there i for those characters
0: i i agree and if, if it if the purpose of that was to show that these humans are de- desensitized to violence, either, either if it's, either if it's because, uh, of where they are and, and the world of Westworld has, has, um, desensitized them to violence or the work that they do, um, I also get the sense that there was like, uh, like that could be a cop out. <laughs> because I feel like part of it was, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm looking a little bit too into it than anything, but I kind of feel like part of the, part of the reason why, um, Felix helped them or helped Maeve so much is because I feel like it was, it was planted in it that, that he didn't have access to the park the way that uh, the guests did, um, and maybe he didn't understand what was going on, but I, I also think that that may have been my brain trying to put meaning behind his inaction <laughs> and his dopey expression of, of, and not being completely inactive and in all of that. Um, because the shock wasn't there for me. Like he, he didn't seem like he was in shock. It just seemed like he was just along for the ride and they didn't, they didn't put purpose behind any of his actions and, I don't know. You can fill in the blanks all you want with what you think that it was, that it was supposed to be. But at the end of the day for me, I honestly think that it was just lackluster writing. Yeah. um, Which is a shame. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, You mentioned the acting uh, Mm -hmm. specifically of Tanya Newton and that's, that was probably my favorite thing about this show or at Mm -hmm. least this season was the actors who played the hosts, most notably Tandy Newton, Evan Rachel Wood, and uh, Jeffrey Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, their ability to switch on and off. Yes. Turn certain emotions on and off and do complete 180s at the drop of a hat was just so brilliant. Absolutely. I, I am not an actor. I've never really attempted to act. <laughs> but I, I can only imagine what you have to mentally and emotionally do to yourself to get to the apex of like emotional pain that like evan rachel wood and tandy newton felt at certain points throughout the season um you know tandy newton losing her daughter Mm -hmm. and evan rachel wood being sexually assaulted and other horrible things watching her father get killed and stuff like that over and over again you Mm -hmm. know as an actor you get yourself to that emotional level and then at the drop of a hat you shut it off and you go stone-faced like Mm -hmm. that is i can only imagine that that is just like the pinnacle of acting ability, because <laughs> that just seems so difficult to me. And to watch them, to me, Evan Rachel Wood stood out the most, which might be biased because I've been a huge fan of hers forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I think she she mastered that to just like an unbelievable level. I, I was so impressed with her ability to do that. And my favorite moments of the series were like when they were like in analysis mode and they mm-hmm. were asking them to like basically go in and out of character and like one moment they're playing a character and the next moment. It's like, you're talking to Siri, yeah. like talking to a computer. Like mm-hmm. that, that just blew me away. And I loved those moments. I was like on the edge of my seat, like with my chin resting on my, on my fist. Like, what is he going <laughs> to, Oh, that's so cool. How she's doing that. Like just, right. I guess just from a technical aspect, I, I just loved that. And, and I hope there's more of that in the
0: future, but we'll see. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. The nice. acting in the season was fantastic um the things that the hosts the character the actors playing the hosts had to do is nothing short of astounding and breathtaking like that was fantastic Mm -hmm. and you mentioned siri tiny have you asked has asked your phone have you asked siri what what she thinks of Westworld no but I, I saw online did that you or, is, ah, damn I they, was hoping
1: that you hadn't they programmed some stuff for her to say yeah. yeah I saw that
0: it's like if you ask Siri like Siri what do you think of Westworld or something and then I think Siri's response will say will be to say um uh this do, that doesn't look like anything to me or yeah. something like that yeah that's pretty but that's that's pretty good that's clever yeah um is. I was hoping that you hadn't seen that so that you could have tried it but whatever that's
1: one of the few things I did see about this show outside okay. of the show itself <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah um okay so let's see so one of the things that I really enjoyed about the show was the misdirect at the beginning the first scene of the episode of the show um, so in the 1973 movie yul Brenner plays um, the man in black who is this um, robot who malfunctions and goes on a killing spree and and stuff happens um, so what I loved about it is that was that opening scene had James Marsden as Teddy on the train, getting into Westworld or going into Sweetwater is the town's name. He goes through a, a simple day in the town. He meets Dolores and then they, they ride off um, to her house, to her farmhouse. And then it's being attacked by attacked by people. So he goes and saves the day and he, he rescues um, he rescues her from, from harm And then the man in black played by Ed Harris comes along and they have this dialogue. And what I loved about that is it subverted the expectations that I had because it's setting up and tiny. You can speak to whether or not you have, that sounds terrible. Tiny. You can speak. Um, (laughs) Thank you. No, you can, thank you, sir. (laughs) You can, uh, I'm curious if you have, if you had the same experience, but seeing, seeing Ed Harris come up, I was like, okay, well he's playing the man in black. He's going to be a host. Um, and then the reveal that Teddy was the host and and uh, Ed Harris was the human. I thought that, that was such a clever way to bring us into the story, and it seeded the idea that uh, any character that you're watching could secretly be a host. Um, did you? How do you feel about that opening scene? How do you think it set the? How do you think it was to set the stage for the season as a whole?
1: Well, the, I totally had the same notion. Mm-hmm. But I think for you, it was probably more potent because you had the context of the original movie, right. which i have never seen. So I, I had no idea that the, in the original, The Man in Black was uh, a host. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that going in. But you don't need that because you know you would think that your opening scene, you would have as the viewer, you would be watching a human going into the park. right? And that's what they, they show you someone going into the park right. and entering the park for the first time. And so you, I don't know think, okay, that's he's, he's a human and we're going to watch his experience inside the park. Right. So I had that same reaction to it. I was like, Whoa, they just kind of flipped the script. And yeah, but again, didn't blow me away. I hate to keep saying that. I hate sure. To keep, he, he pounding that nail, but, mm. um, but still, yeah, I think, I think it was a good, en- a good entrance to the, to the series.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, uh yeah and i keep i keep wanting like on uh, on another podcast i listen to they do a they always do a uh, a joke where it's like they say one thing but they mean another thing so i keep <laughs> making it in my head like i saw a i saw i saw a work of art that was based on that was a, based on a previous work adapted from or was based on a previous work by an acclaimed author that features a mysterious character called the man in black it's a western setting with some very heavy science fiction <laughs> elements here Nice. <laughs> but enough about the dark tower let's talk about westworld nice um but yeah anyway that's that's neither here nor there but anyway yeah um yeah so i thought that set that set things up pretty well from a story perspective but also it kind of again i hate to kind of turn every compliment around on itself to be a, to be a critique but I think that that also kind of set the stage for the show to be ultimately disappointing from a narrative perspective for me because that introductory scene, that's not, that's only introducing one character. That has meaning for the for the whole show. Um, that that's the introduction to the Man in Black, and granted, it also is the introduction to Dolores. But she is the she's the damsel in that in that segment. And I feel like in any other show, you would have the opening scene be the introduction of your protagonist or the character that you would follow through the rest of the season. Which, in to an extent, that is what it is with the Man in Black. But he is introduced as this villainous character. And it's, it's not anything that can really hook us in. Like you talked about how we see, uh, Teddy arrive at, uh, Sweetwater and he's like, he's the human character from our perspective. Um, and yeah, he is in that moment, our, our conduit, the audience surrogate for the show but then that's flipped on its ear and then at that point we don't have like an audience conduit. True. And I think that that's one of the problems with the whole season is that we didn't have anyone to really latch onto except for William but his storyline was isolated from everything else going on and then everything else is, has this shroud of mystery like we have Ford's Ford storyline which we'll get into and I'm I was I felt that was really convoluted um which we'll, we'll get to that but we have Ford, we have Bernard, um, we have, um, Maeve, her whole storyline. We have, um, Shannon Woodward's character, um, Elsie, and also Luke Hemsworth's character, Stubbs, who both of those characters are completely dropped, um, kind of unceremoniously. Yeah. And it's just, they're, they're juggling so much, and it's at the, at the, at the detriment to the show as a whole, because I didn't have anything to really latch to. I was watching it for the mystery of what's going on and in all of the different things that are throwing at they're throwing at me um, in terms of these little turns in the plot and everything. But ultimately, it got kind of exhausting keeping all the balls in the air without having anything meaty to really sink my teeth into. That that whole phrasing could have been could yeah your analogies
1: crossed a little bit there a little bit right. yeah but. Um, I know what you're saying, though.
0: Yeah, there were too yeah. many balls and not enough shaft. Too, <laughs> <laughs> too many side
1: dishes, not enough steak.
0: Exactly, yes. Yeah, um, yeah and so let's talk about Elsie and the control room people or the people behind the scenes of Westworld. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's stop talking about them entirely because okay. that's what the show kind of did. That's harsh, but yeah. the Elsie character, I thought was the closest thing to an audience surrogate that we got in the show. Mm-hmm. And I loved Shannon Woodward's performance. Um and I loved the writing for that character because she's this she's the smart uh, the smart ass like tech person um who she's the only one that's noticing what's going on. Yeah. Or noticing that something's amiss. And I thought that was a really interesting hook for the show. And then she's dropped completely and it's implied that she's killed but who knows. Um, what did you think of that? How did, how did you feel about that characterization and that, that storyline throughout the season?
1: I thought she, uh, and Stubbs were very expositive characters. Um, sure. they, they, were, co- they were cogs, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the, in the, the grander machine, if you will. So they were, they were used, basically just used to relay information to the audience, a little bit lazily, if you ask me, mm-hmm. and they were used by other characters to get to certain destinations. They are, uh, you, you could use you could use Teddy in the same way, mm-hmm. um, but he he was a little bit better. I I think he had some meat on his character that he could uh, that he could sink his teeth into uh, to to stick with that analogy. Sure, um, <laughs> but yeah, I I just felt like you know the, I don't know I felt like they were. Again, kind of one-dimensional, kind of mm-hmm. one-note characters. And they basically were used to stumble upon information and relay that information to other characters without assigning too much depth to them. And they, they were just... They were like expositive characters. That's that's what I would say. Um, and, and I think it's a shame because Shannon Woodward, another actress who mm. I'm a huge fan of and I think is me too an incredible character actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think she she could have used a lot more to do. Um, she was turning out to be a very well-rounded character until, or she was, she, she was shaping up to possibly be a really good character. And then she got killed and it was just really a shame. Um, so yeah, I, you know, they, they were, they were characters who kind of got lost in the shuffle because of, to your point that they were juggling too much. They had too many balls in the air trying to juggle too much at once. Yeah. So it, it was a shame because you know i'm a fan of shannon woodward but right but it it is what it is and i I think they could have there was more there for those characters i think and it's it's just kind of a shame
0: i agree and and i definitely see your point there but i don't know when they were on screen or at least when shannon woodward's character was on screen i I was i didn't really i didn't really have that much of a problem with her being and and expository character or being someone that drive the, to drive the plot forward um even though that is a very valid criticism <laughs> for yeah. sure um i just like the way that she handled herself in in those scenes i think that she brought a life to the plot or the, a life to the story that um kept it from being this dark kind of meandering mystery show she was a bright um, spot her, yeah
1: her character had personality <laughs> yeah a lot more personality yeah
0: right which unfortunately when when we lost her we kind of lost that element to the story from 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 my perspective yeah and when you lose that you kind of have a problem from a storytelling perspective because you have a field of characters that are all very serious and and driven to certain to certain actions that don't really resonate with you because you don't have an emotional context for them or anything like the Tessa Thompson character i thought was just kind of completely wasteful of an actress who i think is is really talented um she just pops up as the next board representative <laughs> right and she did she did nothing for me um in that whole plot line with – I still – I think that that's a fault with the show is that it was – the entire show, <laughs> the entire plot is pretty convoluted for me from from where I can – from what I can tell because I still don't – like a get that she was part of a board and, and the board and the board wanted to oust Ford and um, before they did that they wanted to get all of the – data from, from the, uh, from the hosts and from the park to smuggle out of it before they ousted him because he would, he would, uh, dump all of the, all of the data when, to let his, his creation die with him. So then they smuggle it into Dolores's old father host. And then from there, it's like, that's the end of that, that whole plot line. But I feel like that didn't, I don't know how that is setting up for season two. I don't know how that is going to come into play in season two because right now is left dangling. And I felt like that's, it was asking a lot for me to really um, latch onto that while I have so many other concurrent storylines going on and, and plot elements that I need to keep track of in a show that is, that is dense with plot dense with different plot lines that I need to follow. Does that, does that, do you, Does you, do you agree? How do you feel about that? Do you, does that make sense? Yeah, it does.
1: I, I also had an issue with the Tessa Thompson character. I thought mm-hmm. she was just, yeah, just a, a, a kind of a placeholder almost. Yeah. Um, and that, I understood the motivation behind their actions. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those two bored people, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, under, I understood their motivations, but for whatever reason, I guess. It just, it seemed like small potatoes to me, I guess. I feel like some of the other conflict that was going on was so like deep and philosophical. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like, I feel like Anthony Hopkins' character spoke only in like Socrates quotes. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he always, he had all these grand things to say, mm-hmm. regardless of how mundane the conversation was. Um, and, and then same thing with Bernard, you know, he had, he was a mm-hmm. very inquisitive and, and deep person. Um but these people were basically just trying to steal code and it's, it seemed it was just so, it was so like profit driven Mm -hmm. and, you know, just in the pursuit of business, whereas all these other characters, their motivations seem much deeper and personal. Yeah. And those two characters, it was just like, well, you know, we're just trying to protect our financial interests. Right. And it it was just a little little drab. It was just a little drab. Yeah.
0: I absolutely agree. Yeah. One hundred percent. And, and, that that was that yeah that hits the nail on the head of why i didn't connect with it well
1: um, you mentioned we were we wanted you wanted to talk about dr ford and his yes. his character my question and maybe it's i don't know maybe i just didn't pick up on something but i mm-hmm. i think his motivations were a little either too simple or too complex or just not defined at all because mm-hmm. I, I it seemed to me by the end of the first season his motivation and what he was trying to achieve throughout the whole season is basically just like setting up his last story ever before he either died or left or was taken out or whatever. Or was he trying to do something? I don't know what he was trying to do necessarily.
0: (laughs) When I finished the, finished the finale, I had that exact same reaction. Like I was like, what, what the hell does any of that mean? Right. Um, the journey into night narrative, what, like, I didn't understand what the hell we were supposed to take that as when we're seeing that it's Teddy and Dolores on the beach, and it's the reveal that it, that is that is the board watching the the narrative that he's been working on. Yeah. Like, that that moment, I had no idea what the hell they were trying to say, or I had no idea what what the hell that was supposed to mean. But what I think the overall plot for Ford's character, the overall arc for his character this season in... Presumably for the entire series, um, since he got, got, but, um, the whole arc for his, for his narrative or for his storyline this season was that. And again this is also deeply rooted in misdirect also which I think is a fault of the show it's not deeply it's not it doesn't convey the motivations of the characters and instead of doing that they convey the mystery surrounding the character motivations so that mm-hmm. that is a fault of the plot and a fault of the writing but the arc for his character was that he was originally to us from our perspective he was a character who was compassionate for the for the hosts or he was he's compassionate for his creations he is the John Hammond of the park um, to, to make a Jurassic Park reference okay but by the end of the season and you you get hints of a of a of a uh, disagreement between him and his his co-founder and partner Arnold um, from in the past who Arnold was who Arnold didn't want the park to open because he was, he wanted he, like, he realized that the hosts could become sentient. They could have their own, they could be like humans. They could, they could achieve sentience. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the disagree, the core disagreement between them. And then Arnold died and then Ford opened the park, erased Arnold from existence. Apparently, um, because Logan in the flashback says that there's no, there was talk of another partner or another person that opened the park, but you can't find anything about him, not even a picture, but whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So it's set up to where they have this disagreement and Ford opens a park after Arnold dies. But it's revealed at the end, apparently, this is what I understand of it, that Ford's whole objective was to create sentient beings or or people with consciousness in the hosts. He wanted them to find the center of the maze and achieve consciousness. So when he did that with Dolores, when he achieved that with Dolores, he had her kill him the same way that Arnold had her kill him. And, um, like his final, his final words are, he talks about how, um, Beethoven and Chopin I think um, they didn't die they became their they became their music or something right um, they lived on in music and then she kills him and then that's the onslaught of of the uprising of the hosts and everything so that entire thing to my from my perspective how I'm understanding it is that Ford's final narrative is the hosts overthrowing the humans <laughs> okay. And that is like, that is the final narrative, um, which I think opens the door for some interesting elements going forward in this series. I think it really does. I think the, and we can talk about further seasons later. I'll, I'll save that for later. But I think the execution of that or the way that it was handled throughout the season was a misstep and way too convoluted in way too, um, mysterious for, surprise sake rather than character sake yes yeah <laughs> i agree um yeah definitely um so yeah that that was my read on it did you did you pick up on any of that did, like did that when you watched it did like my explanation of it because i'm going off of what i've heard in podcasts and stuff okay i see i
1: thought it was um arnold who wanted the hosts to achieve sentience and overthrow the human guests if you will that see that's in that goes to your point that the motivations were very muddled and convoluted all across the board um so i guess i just misinterpreted that or
0: it was his intention like okay. like arnold arnold did want them to become to to achieve consciousness uh the mystery surrounding or the misdirect was that um ford didn't but okay. it's revealed at the end, my understanding is that it's revealed at the end that he actually was working toward achieving what Arnold started. Okay. Yeah. That's my understanding, at least. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Yeah. And the one of the things I loved about the whole host storyline in general, and the thing about Maeve's storyline in particular, that we talked, to, I'll circle back and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more, her ending, where she is going through... Westworld she's about to leave on the train then she sees the baby and she decides to stay in the park to go find her child. I thought that was I thought that was really good. Um I thought that was really solid. Yeah. I liked
1: it cuz it was so human. It was. It was such a human thing to do. Um Yeah. Despite the fact that she's a computer, a walking mm-hmm. computer and she's I don't know, she had this very she developed such a cold attitude throughout mm-hmm. Once, once she set her mind to escaping and working towards that, she became a very cold, uh, person, if you will, or her mm-hmm. attitude was very cold. Um, so to see that human touch from her in the end, yeah, I think was, it was great for her character, and I'm just curious what it's gonna do for plot-wise or, or whatever. Um, cause I think the whole her trying to do like, or I, I liked, I liked the idea of her, perpetrating an uprising mm-hmm. as opposed to just escaping um and i think the direction that plot was going was she was just going to get out and mm-hmm. escape um and i think while that's not uninteresting i think it would have been cool to have her raise an army of hosts and you know go nuts yeah which is kind of happening in another part of the park with the mm-hmm. other other hosts but still i i, I think that would have been cool
0: i i agree and you know it's interesting that it's a very human human reaction that's that's the read that i've get, gotten from other sources too that's it's a very human her achieving consciousness mm-hmm. in deciding to do that where my cynical ass um the <laughs> whole time I'm sitting there thinking that um I saw it as she's not I saw it as the daughter the daughter host is her cornerstone memory or her keystone memory right, so that is like the thing that drives her in everything in terms of like every, every host needs to have a keystone memory. Right. So I, I read that, that decision of hers to be she still programmed, she's still confined to her programming. She hasn't achieved true consciousness. Right. That's how I read it, but okay. I think that the general consensus is that she did she made the human choice to stay to go get her daughter. Yeah. Um and that's in the in that she does have some humanity in her and that yeah. she it's supposed to counterbalance the way that Dolores achieved her consciousness and it's kind of be it's kinda of supposed to be two characters who reach the same level but in different ways. Okay. Um But I still, I still like to think that maybe it's just you know she's not truly human, yeah. um, Because she's still confined to her keystone memory. Could be a dual thing Um, there. Yeah, that's cool.
1: Um, I'm I'm glad you brought up the keystone mm -hmm. memory thing because I think that was a really cool aspect of the storytelling. Mm -hmm. I think that was a good idea, Um, and I like how Ford goes into a description of how all of the keystone memories are rooted in pain or like suffering, Um, and I. I think this is a fault of mine as a viewer, but I, I'm, I think that's a great idea. And like, I really liked how they used it with, with Maeve. Mm-hmm. Um, and with some of the other hosts, uh, uh, Bernard, uh, Bernard. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Bernard Arnold. Um, but I, I'm, I'm struggling to realize what the keystone memories are for like Dolores and Teddy. Maybe they just haven't. Re- they just didn't reveal them. Or. Um, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, maybe it's because. Um, uh, maybe because they. I don't know. I was going to say maybe it's because they don't necessarily have storylines. But they do. They do. Teddy just kind of stumbles into things, it seems yeah. like. Like people would just bump into him. His. I don't know.
0: Teddy's motivation is Dolores. Everything is, everything he does dr- is driven by his dad's right to be, to rescue Dolores. And I think Dolores right. is, I don't think they necessarily have the keystone memories that are in place that are rooted in suffering and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Dolores is that she loses her family every day at the park. Right. Okay. Um, which going back and this is no I'm not going to nitpick at this. Well, I will just briefly. Um, Again, setting up the rules of the park and and the setting, it's like, I don't understand how it operates in that, like, Dolores is with William several days on their little journey out of their loop. So, how many hosts are there in the park that they can replenish, like, that role or that setting um, with that or or put someone in that place? Because if everyone is in the park and they're going through it um, and everyone takes a host and does their own little thing, like, where does that leave? the guests to come in on Friday.
1: Right. Exactly. I understand. Yeah.
0: yeah. Anyway, that's a nitpick, but, yeah. um, but yeah, so, so Teddy's motivation is, is driven by Dolores and I like the, how, how did you feel about the Wyatt thing? Cause I thought that that was really, um, <laughs> again, it was something that could have hooked me in if the rest of the show up to that point had really, had paid off for me in a way that I could I could really pay attention to to more um, storylines being introduced. You, you know what I mean? Like they introduced this whole thing where Ford is creating a new narrative, and there's a there's this new introduction of a new bad guy or new antagonist, the adversary um, named Wyatt, who's shrouded in mystery, and then it ends up being revealed that Dolores is Wyatt, and that's why Teddy murdered the whole village and it was a whole thing with arnold and i how'd you feel about all that just talking about it just makes my brain hurt
1: (laughs) yeah it was kind of a weird loop thing Mm -hmm. um it the whole the whole reverie thing which was basically memories Mm -hmm. um the way it worked out was weird to me it seemed it seemed kind of um kind of clumsy i guess it was uh, why the Wyatt storyline ended up being the final nudge I guess to push mm-hmm. the hosts towards consciousness or, or sentience mm-hmm. um, and I don't know I guess uh I guess it had to be there or whatever i I, I mean I think it, it has to be in the show because I think the the hosts basically the hosts weren't getting there on their own right and so that was that was the you know that was like dr ford's ninth symphony like that's his crowning achievement and i don't know i guess i guess they they used it as a it was again kind of a misdirect yeah i think but i don't know i'm not really sure how i feel about it to be honest i Mm -hmm. think it was just kind of it was it was kind of mixed up in all this stuff and kind of got lost i think
0: sure i i agree it kind of came a little late in the game i think um, which is weird because I think it comes up at like the halfway point of the season. Right. But when we're already dealing with so many different mysteries and, and things that aren't really connecting with me as a viewer, um, it's just kind of piled on a little bit. And to see that play out the way it did, it, it makes sense, I'm sure, when you put it on paper. Right. But it just kind of lost me a little bit there. Um Yeah. Yeah. Um Let's see. Off the top of your head, is there anything... Anything more? Or should we talk a little bit more about the abstract nature of the plot or anything? Anything you want to kind of talk about? Not
1: really. Not necessarily.
0: Samurai World. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That threw me a little bit. Really? I I don't... Whatever.
0: Interesting. I don't know. I I,
1: I haven't thought about it, really.
0: Okay. That's really interesting because that was one of my favorite parts of the finale. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Then again, I... I have a propensity to enjoy samurai stuff. Right. Um being half Japanese. I'm not half Japanese. That was a stupid <laughs> joke. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um no, I um I, I cuz I mean I I love old samurai movies. Yeah. And I I liked that because there was one aspect of the movie that hadn't been touched on in this in the show, and that's the fact that in the movie Westworld is one of three worlds. Oh, okay. There was Roman world and medieval world. So, in Westworld the show, I'm like like there's a lot of like questions. Like, I wonder if, is this really the only only version of it? Or are they just going to do Westworld, or are they going to have other worlds? And then just seeing like that SW logo and like show, showing the samurai, I'm like I. I want to see that. I want to yeah. see that happen, even though sword play in, in that world doesn't make any sense to me cause it doesn't set up the rules that well in the show. Um, from what I could tell, but still like that was something that really, really uh, jumped out at me and really made me excited about the, the growing mythology of the show as convoluted. It had been up to that point. Um, but also again, compliment and then, uh, criticism. <laughs> um, Felix, in that scene where um, Maeve asks what what that is, what's, what's going on, what is this, and Felix just says it's complicated. Yeah. That bugged me because, A, like it could be one of two things. He could be saying it's too complicated to explain to you that your world that you know your entire existence is based around is part of another bigger thing that has other worlds. Like that's completely, that's, completely if that is what was meant by that line i will take that and not have any complaints on it or anything but also it's like okay we get it there's another there's another park with another like with a samurai themed world it's not that complicated felix yeah (laughs) um so i kind of felt like that was i felt like my read on that line was that he was it was more like a wink at the audience thinking like, well, it's complicated. There's a little bit more to more to this world that we've been growing for 10 episodes. (laughs) Um, and it felt kind of like a little too, it didn't work for me. Okay. But yeah, but the idea of samurai world is something that I really want. I really hope that the show visits in some way. Okay. Um, so I want to get to a couple points and then we can call it a day. We, I want to talk about our thoughts for the series going forward and the idea of the internet and everything that'll be separate here in a second. But before we do that, just overall thoughts on the show, once again, like kind of, are you excited for season two? Are you, did you come away from it looking forward to more or was it an exhausting experience that you're kind of dreading the next season? How did you come out of it feeling?
1: Well, I I felt better. To compare it to something, I felt better coming out of this season than I did for the second season of True Detective. Okay, <laughs> um, which I think was not not very good, but right. you know had had its bright points and had its good good features, but not not very good television. Mm-hmm. I think this was better than that. I think this is better television than that. And while I'm not very optimistic about a potential third season of true detective mm-hmm. i'm pretty optimistic about a second season of of westworld because mm-hmm. um, again I, I mentioned earlier i think the first season had a lot of setup and establishing stuff to take care of and maybe they were just finding their footings and, and you know maybe the second season is going to be really good I'm, I'm very intrigued by jonathan nolan's statement that the first season was about control and the second season is going to be about chaos mm-hmm. that that is intriguing to me and and it's, it's especially intriguing to me given the final scenes of the finale where the hosts go, go apeshit. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really intriguing to me. And I think it's like, it's like, it's almost like all the, all the stuff we were watching in the first season is a build up to the true conflict that we're going to get to see in the mm-hmm. second season. That's kind of how it felt. I'm not just saying that's the direction they're going to take or that's what was intended, but that's, it had that feel to it for me. So okay. I am optimistic about the second season and I'm, I'm, I am looking forward to it. The first season I'd probably give it like a middle six out of 10. Um, cause again, there's still a lot of things that a lot of things I liked about it and I still mm-hmm. looked forward to watching the shows, the episodes every week. And I didn't wait, you know, I didn't let them build up very much or anything. So I was still interested in, and, and, you know, intrigued every week. So, I am still involved in the show. I'm going to keep watching it and I, I hope it gets really good. I hope next season I can give it an eight or nine out of 10, but yeah. that remains to be seen.
0: <laughs> I I agree with you and uh, hopefully they will definitely build up to a great season two or, or make it great season two. And they've said that it's likely going to be second season likely won't be airing until 2018 anyway. So they, okay, yeah, so they'll have time um, and it has been renewed and everything. Um, okay. Overall, i I feel like I feel like I was kind of harsh on this show in this episode, but I I can't just I can't let go of some of the some of the issues I had with it. Yeah. Um. I mentioned last week on the podcast that in terms of science fiction, when when it comes with to science fiction, I'm kind of a harsher critic than with other genres, and that's not um, Westworld doesn't get a pass for me from that. Yeah. Um. And. I I love that the concept is being explored on HBO. I love that this exists, and yeah. there were moments throughout it that I really, really liked and really latched onto, mm-hmm. and was really enthralled by. Um, the issues with the storytelling and the and the writing and the kind of structure of the entire season um, will make me kind of kind of rate it around the same place you did, about six point five out of ten. Okay. But I think that the, like you, I think that this could have potential for a great show going forward. I think that um, by what Jonathan Nolan said about it being about control in the first season and chaos in the second season, I think that that could make for a really fun and entertaining and thrilling second season. Um, and I hope that they, I hope that they handle that in a way that is less convoluted and more character based than anything. I would love to, because I think that part of the problem that I have with it and part of the reason why I'm kind of, um, I'm not as pessim, I'm not as optimistic about it. Like I'm sure that it will deliver and be entertaining, but I think that they showed that they are a little bit more driven by the puzzle of it all rather than the characters.
2: Uh Um,
0: Like, I would have much rather had a a first season that delved into the characters of of, like the characters, like the characterization of, of the people involved in in the show, both uh, the humans and the hosts. So that when we get to the second season where there's this big uprising of hosts that are taking out and murdering humans, there would be more at stake from an emotional level for the viewer. Um, I would have loved to have seen more of a um, morally gray. And we did get this morally gray man in black, or I wish that we would have had a more dark character from him, so that, like my idea is that I would hope that he would become kind of like this, this John McClane hero in season <laughs> two, and I feel like that would be more sad. That would be more satisfying if he wasn't this character that we got ten hours worth of um, backstory on about him being like a decent person and then transforming into the man in black who is, is a pretty, pretty, uh, mean person. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't really get the sense that he is like a truly evil character or anything like that. Um, there are some things here and there that like he says that his wife, he has a tragic backstory where his wife a year before, um, had killed herself because she saw a darkness in him, which was engaging. It was, that was, that was an interesting backstory. And that was something that I, um, enjoyed that they wrote in for that character, but also you don't really get the sense that he is this villainous character. Um, so I kind of wish that there was a little bit more character trajectory in terms of character story and character characterization foundation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So um, having said that, I, I think that the show, um, the show, roughly laid a foundation and. I think that they can build upon that pretty well. And hopefully that shaky foundation doesn't, doesn't collapse and just bring everything down in seasons to come. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that it, I think it could, it could be good. Um, and maybe, maybe I'll have a more enhanced viewpoint of the season if I go back and revisit it. Um, having said that tiny, where do you think the show can go from here? Um, I don't know. It seems
1: uh, you mentioned that you're glad it exists, and I, I feel the same way. I think that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. I love the premise of the show. Yeah, you know this whole exploration of consciousness and sentience and yeah. the 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 morality or lack thereof of essentially creating a new species, yeah, if you will. That's I think there's some very entertaining and thought provoking. Uh, um, concepts and, mm-hmm. and philosophies involved with that kind of storytelling. So I, I'm just intrigued by that in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's why when we first started the episode, I think I think it would have been cool or I'd, I'd be curious to see how this story would have been structured as a 10-part miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would would this first season have been three episodes long, or would it have been five, or would right. it have been one? You know, or like I'm I'm just curious. What is the grand scheme of this story? Yeah. And you know, now that we have the setups all there, and we we have by all appearances entered the main conflict. that has started with the the final scenes of the first season finale. Mm-hmm. You know do you sustain that over three seasons or does that conflict conclude at the end of season two and we get something else? Hmm. I I don't know. As far as what the future of the show holds, I don't know. I am I guess I'm not imaginative enough to see where this is going, uh, in, in on a grand scale anyways. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, but like I said, I'm intrigued and, uh, I hope it doesn't suck.
0: Nice. I I agree. Um, do you want to hear where I kind of think or hope that it could go? That would be satisfying to me. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I would really like to see, and this is, this is not going to be, this is not how it's going to be, but I think that if the show were to explore the themes that I liked most about it, it could do so in a really interesting way if they had like um, a multi-season plan where second season is all about this conflict between the humans and the hosts. And I would like to see it, you know, kind of end with the hosts overtaking everything. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I would love if that brought about like, Theoretically, I'm going season by season, so I mean it wouldn't really probably wouldn't shake out this cleanly. But I would like to see like season two be about that conflict and the hosts prevailing and winning, everyone gaining gaining consciousness. And then I would like to see the show from that point go forward by showing this society of, of artificial intelligent hosts. living and coexisting in this park that's that they've murdered all the humans and they're they're living there Mm -hmm. and i would like to see the interplay between them because they've they've laid some groundwork for that in that they could have um the character of abernathy dolores's old old father that they have the code in and i don't know i don't know in the confines of the show how this would. Work out or if this is if this tracks with what has been set up, but I think that would be an interesting thing to see that like these these characters or these hosts have this could form the society where they've they saw God get murdered, <laughs> their God yeah. get murdered, their creator get murdered, so they could have this whole religious thing that are that are worshiping the memory of Ford, and at the heart of that they could have Abernathy as the preacher because he had one of his backstories was that he was a professor that brought, brought in a cannibal, uh cannibal cannibals into a, into a camp or something, something like that. He was, he was a preacher that was or a professor. That was the origin of him having this Shakespeare quote in the first episode. And now he has this code and I feel like this could be him. Like his, his consciousness could be him creating a religion for the hosts and stuff. And then, them kind of, uh, latching on to that and then eventually breeding conflict between hosts and it kind of having this very character based conflict between ideologies in this, in the society that's new and, and, um, unproven or untested. I think that if the, if the show goes into that kind of exploration of humanity by way of, um, artificial intelligence recreating or, or, or achieving society, um, in figuring out like using that as kind of a launch pad to explore like what's wrong with society or what, why we fail at certain aspects of, of things. I I think that that could be a really engaging uh, plot line and a really engaging storyline for the show to explore. I don't know how they could do that and have it be a long-standing or long running series. I don't know how they can, if they, if they would be able to pull that off. Um, But I think that, I think that they could do it, and I would be satisfied if they went that route.
1: That sounds great.
0: Thank you. That's
1: not like you've thought about this
0: a little bit. <laughs> I, yeah. I
1: haven't. I haven't put that much thought into it. So yeah, yeah that that sounds great. I hope that's something I, I thought about. Basically, the second step you mentioned, and you mm-hmm. went to like step eight. <laughs> I hadn't thought of steps three through eight. That's really good. Yeah, I, I hope yeah. that happens too.
0: To be fair, the show left me with thoughts of how can the show be better? (laughs) Yeah, true. So there's that. Yeah. So let's see. Um, Before we go, I want to talk to you, Tiny. Do you have time? Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) I want to talk to you about the internet. Um, Oh, yeah. Kind of, there's this whole thing where uh, the internet, internet culture, theorizing, fan theorizing online has reached a point where it's every episode, every scene, every moment of a show is scrutinized every week. And it's broken down to its minutiae by a hive mind of people who are obsessing over it. And for a lot of people that works great like that, that enhances their experience. But I think that what Westworld season one proved to me was that, I've reached a point where I I just can't do that anymore. Yeah, like I just can't do it. It was something that I actively um, participated in when Lost was airing, and I got a lot of enjoyment out of that. Lost is one of my favorite shows, and like we, I mean, we've spent we spent hours while that show was on the air um, discussing what we thought it was going to lead to. So in, in theorizing about the different, the different clues and hints and everything. But with Westworld, and I don't know, my conflict is, I don't know if West, if, if my issues with Westworld are because I was, uh, cognizant of the conversation around it while it was airing. Um, I don't know if that contributed to me not liking it that much or if, to draw a sharper comparison to lost, or if the mystery of Westworld was at the expense of characterization, whereas lost had really incredible characters and really strongly written characters. Um, so that even though the mystery was, dominating the conversation around it you still had character moments that resonated and and tracked throughout the seasons um whereas westworld i couldn't latch on to the characters um so my question to you tiny is how did how do you feel about the idea of internet culture and internet um water cooler talk
1: i've never been a big fan of it and and i think the reason is because um I've never I've never participated in it very much including lost. I mm-hmm. I I I didn't participate in that. I kind of drew you into it a little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah. But but I feel like I feel like in-person discussion like what we do like what we're doing mm-hmm. right now is substantially different like a, like a true water cooler discussion is mm-hmm. is substantially different than a message board or a discussion board on a website because yeah an idea is shared and it's kind of, uh, an idea is shared at a water cooler and it just kind of hangs there and you talk about it for a minute and then you Mm -hmm. move on. But with a, (laughs) there's no moving on on the internet. It's like someone introduces an idea and it gets harped on by that person and others. And it's just like it, and it stays there and the internet is forever. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like, hard to articulate it but i I just i'm not a big fan of it because i feel like it's um it's a lot of i feel like it's a lot of self-aggrandizing i feel like there's a lot of people who are they like to participate in those kind of discussions on those message boards because they like to make their point and move on or they or do something else they like to demonstrate how smart they are or like Mm -hmm. oh i think this is what's happening and this is what it is and and I'm smart, and you're all dumb. <laughs> and, it, you know, the anonymity of the Internet plays into that, to an effect, but I, I've just never really participated in it, and, and I, I, I'm annoyed by it because people... It's turned into an institution, and there are websites devoted to that concept. Like, you know, BuzzFeed shares a frickin' article, quote-unquote article, about the walking dead every single week where it's like, did you <laughs> notice this or this means this or this character's going to do this. And it's just like, it's every week and it's like, I don't care. Or, or it's like, I don't, no. I You're don't not know
0: actively participating in anything. And that right. being outside of that, outside of that conversation is frustrating because yeah. And, and it, that's the same with me is that like, if I were outside, like I want to appreciate, Art for what it is. I don't yeah. want to dissect it until afterwards, and we spend two hours talking about it on a podcast. Yeah. But, um, but to your point, the idea, like, I completely agree about, you know, when you're talking at a water cooler, um, the idea just fades away. But, yeah. uh, Tiny, to, to, to kind of bring this back to the Nolan aspect of it, what's the most <laughs> resilient parasite?
1: An idea, an
0: idea. Yeah, it's to quote Inception. Right. Um. Yeah, and and that is what the internet is. It's the, it's a freaking parasite. No. Um, <laughs> it's a parasite. No. It's uh, you're right. If if there is something that's there, it's going to be scrutinized to no end by hundreds, if not thousands of people. And it goes viral and you're
1: forced to mm-hmm. participate in, the, in yeah. it. That's what, that's what annoys me is that mm-hmm. I can't open any kind of social media platform without being forced into a discussion that strangers mm-hmm. are having about the walking dead yeah. or Westworld, whatever. And search right. show here.
0: Exactly. And, and that's, in some cases that's okay. Like I, like throughout Westworld. Throughout my viewing of Westworld, um, I listened to two podcasts. One was a podcast that's been sponsoring our episodes for the last couple months, uh, Westworld FM from the Midwest Podcast Network. Which this is going to sound like. This is going to sound like such a uh, um. What's the word I'm looking? This is going to sound like it's because they've been paying us money to sponsor our episodes, <laughs> but it's not. They they are the better of the two podcasts that I've listened to, and they they. They have they do a lot of the deep dive into into theorizing and everything. Um and but I will say that it's a high quality, entertaining discussion and everything. Mm-hmm. But next season, when when I watch the show, I'm gonna watch it in a vacuum. I'm not gonna consume anything. When I'm done, I'm gonna go back and listen to it and see all the wacky stuff, everything. Mm-hmm. But it's just the other podcast I listened to was Decoding Westworld and like there are moments where one of the hosts were like at the end of it. Um, I've, I won't single that out, but at the end of the season, I heard people talking about how the reveal, how they reacted to the reveal of, of William being the man in black, a younger version of him. And there was one, I don't remember the exact example, but I heard one person say that, well, um that scene there's a scene with uh the man in black or william where he does something and it's not what's the word i'm looking for they they referred to it as um it was okay but like there was an inconsistency in a character moment but it was okay because we didn't have the full idea of what that character was we didn't know at that time for sure that the man in black was William. So it's forgivable for them not to have this, to have this bizarre character moment. I'm sorry that I'm vague. I don't remember the exact circumstances, but the, but the crux of the argument was that it's okay for them not to be written for William's character, for Jimmy Simpson's version of, of the man in black for him not to be written that well or vice versa, because later on we find out that he is the backstory for this character, that, that those characters are intertwined and everything. And I feel like that is just such a cop out. I I think that that is excusing poor writing because if we don't know that they, if we don't know that this is the character's backstory, if we don't know for sure that one character is connected to another one, that doesn't excuse the fact that they can write it Poorly, or not have it track that well, or have have a somewhat meandering plot line with a character um, solely because later on it's going to pay off by revealing that that he's that he's tied to a central character. I think that that is a cop out, and I think that that's excusing poor storytelling. Am I? Are you following what I'm saying? Absolutely. Al? Okay.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
0: And I think that just the conversation surrounding it, I, I wish that more of the Conversation was about the quality of the show, or the the faults of the show. Even um, then, then does this mean this? We'll find out in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's kind of it. Depletes my enjoyment of the show because it makes me it makes me focus on what I don't want to focus on. In that I kind of want the story to just present itself to me. Um, and some people are fine with it being a. Um, a mystery box that is slowly revealing itself for the mystery and everything. But I I feel like that, if it's dense with mystery and it's not as dense with characterization, which there was some good characterization, Bernard and, and Maeve and uh, Dolores, I guess. Um, <laughs> like There was some good characterization, but I feel like as a show juggling so many mysteries, I think that it, it faltered in that it didn't have characters that i was really latched on to and i think that that's a fault in the writing
1: uh, yeah that's fair i and i agree i, I agree yeah. with that to an extent
0: yeah um so anyway so yeah internet theorizing and and i am i understand as i said before i was a huge fan of lost this is the exact same scenario like these shows i feel are comparable in that they are science fiction based mystery shows about a mysterious world, both produced by JJ Abrams. Um, <laughs> and the mystery is, is commanding the, the, uh, conversation surrounding it. Um, but as I said before, also lost characters were much more engaging and they, they were much more the focal point of the show than, uh, the mysteries ever were for me. And even if they weren't for the, for the, for, for the majority of the audience. And if, if the majority of the audience falter or thought that the end finale of lost was, was, was bad because of that, because they didn't focus on the mysteries. I like that's entitled to their opinion and everything. I just think that it was more character based and I wish that Westworld was more character based because if you don't want to participate in the mystery or if you don't want to participate in theorizing, it doesn't give you enough characterization to really appreciate it. And, I think that uh yeah that's just that's a fault of the show. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. And uh yeah I thought that the conversation about internet internet would be a little more uh interesting but I kind of I mean I kind of made my points pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah, and that's it's not to say that people that spend a lot of time theorizing are wrong but I mean like I I also got kind of irritated with um Breaking Bad. So, sort of, well, I guess not irritated would would be too strong a word, but I get kind of, um, I get kind of uh, bothered by how how closely people were scrutinizing Breaking Bad, saying like, well, okay, well, if you look at the placement of this table, and granted, the Breaking Bad set design <laughs> was very much focused on a lot of little hints here and there. Yeah, but it was also like that's they were putting in too much work this it's the nature of television today right um yeah and i think that part of that part of what i think works for um entertainment is the netflix model having a having a show go all at once so that you don't have the week-to-week theorizing yeah yeah but anyway um tiny any closing thoughts on that or westworld or anything um
1: I took to calling it breast world after a while because of all the nudity. (laughs) And I think it's, it's fundamental, or not necessarily fun to mention, but (laughs) I think it's worth mentioning that I feel like the nudity was pretty, uh, balanced. Mm -hmm. A lot of dongs, a lot of butts, a lot of boobs. Like it was all, Mm -hmm. it's not like they just like, well, let's show this hot naked chick next. You know, it was like nudity tends to skew very, uh, exploitatively towards women Mm -hmm. throughout the history of Hollywood and TV and stuff like that. But a lot of dongs, a lot of male butts in the show. Um, I just, I I noticed that throughout it. I don't know if it's good or bad or whatever, but I I noticed that and I thought it was noteworthy.
0: I agree. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll agree with that. Um, I wasn't bothered by, um, I didn't find the nudity to be, exploitative as right much and, as past hbo shows were
1: and it wasn't even sexual yeah 90 percent of the time exactly so yeah it, it. i think it was it played a role in the plot to an extent or it, mm-hmm. it played a role in the show it wasn't just it wasn't just nudity for nudity's sake it played a role right. in the show and i think i think it made sense
0: i agree yep and uh Let's see if if that's all. I think we can kind of close down the episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, once again, thank you for listening, first of all, and also thank you to Westworld FM uh, for sponsoring the episodes, uh, uh, po- sponsoring our episodes recently while they've while they've been running. It's a great it's a great podcast. If if you're into the theorizing or if you're into um, talking about the show in general I suggest going back and listening to that I don't know if they actually listened to the podcast but uh, thank you guys for sponsoring us and, and I really enjoyed your show despite um, my proclamations about not being into the internet discussion I think that they had a lot they had more to say about the show itself while also dealing with the theorizing and everything. Um, and that's something I really appreciate about that podcast. So it was a, it's a good podcast. If you want more Westworld discussion, go and check them out at Westworld.fm. And, uh, let's see, tiny, uh, what are we doing next week?
1: I don't know. Are we, you don't know. Are we taking that? week off? No, this week. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next week we're reviewing uh, the new Star Wars movie.
0: Yes, we are. Rogue One a Star Wars story. Yep. And do you know what I've been doing to prepare for it?
1: Watching the other movies?
0: Uh no, I watched Star Trek 1 through 5. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which I'll talk so about not in Pupiry.
0: preparing for it. <laughs> uh, no, I did send a I did send a picture to Fekus um, when I was starting Uh, star trek the motion picture i was like getting ready for rogue one (laughs) (laughs) just to be a dick um and then i ended up watching and i don't remember if i mentioned this on the podcast before i ended up watching like star trek one through four on that like a day Mm -hmm. um so i'll have to i'll have to watch something to prepare for star wars but anyway yeah
1: (laughs) i'm not doing anything anything to prepare for it so
0: yeah i don't know yeah but yeah we're gonna be reviewing rogue one and star wars story next week Uh, Be sure to come check that out. Um, We're going to have a guest um, for it. That should be fun. And uh, yeah, if you like what you hear and you want to help support the podcast, I didn't mention that before, um, please, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Um, It takes like five seconds. You don't even need to write a complete sentence. You can just write gibberish. I don't whatever. As long as it's a five star rating, I don't care what it says. (laughs) Um, it's
1: really important to us, guys.
0: It is. Here <laughs> <It> is <laughs> Here's a challenge: go on iTunes, write a review, and in the review, say your deepest, darkest secret. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's a really easy way to support us, and it's really appreciated. Um, and it shows that people listen to us and enjoy our podcast. Um, so that people looking for, you know, a movie and TV podcast, they will find us in the haystack of just thousands, literally thousands of movie podcasts. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you want to show your support with your wallet, which I mean, it is the holiday season guys, just saying, um, you can do that by clicking the donate button on obsessive com or the donate link in the show notes of this episode. Um, that way you can make a one-time donation or a recurring donation. Um, or if you want to be more fun, um, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, where you can choose from several different reward tiers on a monthly basis. um, Yeah, any donations made will go directly toward the little check in account that I have for the fees to keep the podcast running and to keep the uh you know, equipment up to date and everything. Um so yeah, so any donation made is greatly appreciated and we hope to have some Christmas presents from you guys just saying. Yeah. Um so yeah, so anyway, uh having said all that, I think we're done for this bonus episode. Yep. Yep. And uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time for Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Thanks, guys. So, yeah, so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into. Oh, man. Really? What? Oh, Alan Thicke died.
1: Oh, wow. That's a bummer. That is a shame. He he wasn't that old, was he? 60s? Or he was 69.
0: Wow. And apparently, he had a uh, heart attack.
1: He was that playing is hockey
0: with his 19-year-old son. Hmm. Jeez. I think he was supposed to be at Indie Ver... I, was... <laughs> I think he was at Heartland this year. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer.
1: That is a shame.
0: Yeah. Huh. Anyway, um... Oh, that's a bummer. Anyway, um... Oh, and I guess he made an appearance on Fuller House this season. Wow. Which I think we're going to do another bonus episode with Sam. <laughs> um yeah we well (laughs) i am if you want to watch season two of fuller house by all means um i'm good okay so um yeah
2: so uh. thank you for listening to the obsessive viewer presented by obsessiveviewer.com you can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com and you can subscribe to the show on itunes stitcher or your preferred podcast app the Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com, where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.